HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Roth, Wisconsin, makers of the world's best cheese and pioneers in the U.S. artisan cheese movement. For more information, visit RothCheese.com. I'm Damon Bolte, host of The Speakeasy. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. time we had Sue Miller of Birch Run Hills and Rachel Fritz-Schall of Parish Hill Creamery on the show earlier this year, they hinted at a special collaboration they're working on. I'm excited to announce that they're here, along with Peter Dixon. Well, actually, Sue's on her way here. She's stuck in traffic, but she'll get here. And they're all here to talk about that collaboration, the Cornerstone Project. Hello and welcome to Cutting the Curd, broadcasting live on the Heritage Radio Network. Thank you guys so much for coming on the show today and for being here with me at Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick. The last time you were here, we had an awesome meal together with Mike Gino. That was super tasty. And that was excellent. Yeah. I wanted to start off by asking you, Rachel, uh, what's the Cornerstone Project all about? Well, uh, to me, the Cornerstone Project is about encouraging American cheesemakers to trust their milk and trust their craft and make great American cheese. Same for you, big guy? Uh, for me, it's about the elemental nature of cheesemaking. That to make a original cheese in the U.S., we're going to go back in time, just like it happened in Europe and other parts of the world, with the ingredients. What are they? Well, the milk has to be raw. Back in time, pasteurization didn't exist. This is true. The culture is to ferment the milk, which came into vogue eventually to help jumpstart the process and bring about a more uh, higher quality, I guess, or, you know, the quality of the product more uniform. I mean, you could count on the fermentation happening more regularly if you used a starter culture. Okay. So what was that culture? They had to make it themselves. They didn't. There wasn't anywhere to buy these things, so they would have fermented some of the milk yeah. on the side and made it into like a yogurt yep. and then added that to the big pot of milk to make their batch. The other ingredients, 
rennet, well, we would love to make our own rennet to bring about the cornerstone cheese, but that's something that I've found in my own experience takes a lot longer to develop. Certainly. We're working on it. We're working on that (laughs) at Parachill Creamery, and the other cheesemakers that that make cornerstone will learn how to do that, and it, you know, we'll decide as a group where we're going to go with that. The final ingredient, salt, it's got to come from somewhere local. Sure. I mean, back in the old times, where'd you get your salt? From a mine in a mountain, from the, the ocean, where it was solar evaporated along the east coast. And since we're from Vermont, we looked over to Maine. Yeah, you got good salt in Maine. Right? And there's this company there, the Maine Sea Salt yeah, Company, that. that we get our salt from. That's awesome. So that's it. What, it, what, was it, what inspired you to do this? Is it the need for all these things that you're talking about? Yeah, uh, the real, I mean, the, the most, the match strike was the, what was that, 2015? Yeah, the Providence American Cheese Society yeah. uh, Conference. What, what, there, what, was, what about it? There was a call to cheesemakers to make more uh, American original cheeses. By one uh, of the judges, judging uh, uh, committee people. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. On the stage, he put it out there. Where are the American original cheeses? We want more of them. Huh. And and it, it was, I mean, there's a little bit of um, frustration, I guess, um, on the part of the folks who are taking part in this project that the cheeses that are that place in that category tend to be cheeses that are uh, are made in European styles. Sure, the recipes come from there. And, and you know, we, we're not claiming that 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 any there's anything new under the sun. I mean, certainly everything that we're doing comes from those same recipes, from those same practices. Yeah. Uh, but instead of trying to, well, for me, what's key is instead of saying, okay, there's a cheese and we want to make a copy of that or a version of that. Instead, we're starting with our milk and then designing a recipe that will hopefully allow that milk to really show its essence. Yeah. I mean, you, I mean, the cheese is still going to come from, cheese is still cheese, right? Yep. I mean, it's still, still going to be cheese. It's still, it's still milk culture, rennet salt. Sure enough. That's what we're working with here. Yep. You know, so, so there were, there were really four cheese-making companies sitting at a table uh-huh. in Willimantic, Connecticut, at a pub, yeah. talking about it's this. The best place to get stuff done. There you go. <laughs> and it was uh, it was Mystic Cheese. Uh-huh. It was Bertrand Hills, and it was uh, myself from Parish Hill Creamery. The fourth came along because we thought he should definitely be included, and that's Cato Corner Farm. Sure. We thought. Being a raw milk cheesemaker, being someone who's very elemental about the way he approaches cheesemaking, this is Mark Gilman I'm talking about, uh-huh. who people in New York know that, that that brand very well. There are farmer's markets all around the city. Yeah. And I like, I like his, I've always liked his approach, and I've worked with them. So the four of us decided we should collaborate together on this and come up with a simple recipe and basically... All it is is a is a cooked curd, lightly pressed cheese, and it's made in a square form, and it's made from raw milk with these ingredients I mentioned. And then we find out how they differ from farm to farm by the maker, by the cave it's aged in, that kind of thing. Yeah, but you're it's getting a structure that it can exist in that's very clear, <laughs> that so you can examine the raw materials. That seems to be what you're getting at. For yeah, me, we're you know? removing some of the uh, enough variables that yeah. hopefully yeah. we'll actually be able to discern, discern 
um, what is different in the breed and feed, what is different in yeah. the that area, that particular geographical area, what's different in what's on our hands and what's in our caves. Yeah, totally. You're going to let those, uh, those things express themselves. Uh, why is it called Cornerstone? Well... Uh, <laughs> Want me to jump in? Go ahead. Yeah, talk to think me. Of a, think of a foundation. Uh-huh. What holds the foundation together? The cornerstone. Yeah, yeah. And that's why we made it in a square. Yeah. It looks my, kind my of like question. a paving stone. Yeah, yeah. it does. So, it's a beautiful cheese. So that was the whole idea behind that name. What have been your biggest challenges in getting this off the ground? Getting everybody to getting everybody to start making it because everyone's busy and uh, and starting to new to bring in another cheese and and an already solid repertoire which all of these makers have is is not gonna happen quickly and uh, it's it's um, something especially with the elemental nature of the way this cheese is made uh-huh. it it takes extra time you actually have to make the ingredients before you can make the cheese. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, you need the milk, right? But you, you need, need to make the culture well, that's the yourself. Most, yeah, that's the most, um, that's the key thing right there. Come on in, Sue. Come on in. New York City traffic is a bitch. Let me tell you right now. You made it. <laughs> so happy that you're here, Sue. <laughs> oh, you need some headphones? You got to set right there. Good stuff. Now we've got all of our guests assembled. <laughs> Hi, Sue. How are you? Great. I'm glad I'm finally here. Yeah. It's fantastic to <laughs> yeah. see you. Um, it's great to see you. We were just um, going over the uh, the origins of your wonderful project, the Cornerstone Project. And um, I asked these guys, uh, you know, how it came to be. And, um, you know, they said it, you know, it came from uh, like any any great idea. It was born out of a drinking session at the uh, at the American <laughs> Cheese Society conference at the bar there. Is that true? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. We got a couple of cheese heads together and um, we were inspired by the conference. And, um, you know, the idea was born. Uh, I don't know if you guys talked about Brian Civitello before I stepped in. I mentioned Mystic, Just Mystic, but, but not, Brian not Brian himself. Yeah, yeah. So Brian really was um, kind of the seed uh-huh. for this project. Um, he, he was, was He was the one. John Greeley. He brought it up. At the conference said what he wanted to challenge cheesemakers to do was to come up with their own American original cheeses. And so that was a concept that was, you know, near and dear to Peter Dixon and, and Rachel Shaw's heart as well as, as the rest of us at the table. And, um, you know, we just took it and ran pretty much that idea. You And, you know, you guys touched on it. I think that it, it it's worth saying that that is a tough that's a tough category right american originals is a is a tough category and it would seem to be uh, fairly subjective as to what does and doesn't get to place in those categories and that might be fairly discouraging perhaps to people to cheesemakers who um who think that that's what they're making you know I see a lot of heads nodding yeah well <clears throat> again i just to go back to what I, one thing I said earlier, I really feel like we want to encourage cheesemakers, American cheesemakers, to uh, uh, to trust that milk, to to really make sure that they're using the best quality milk, to, right. make, to make sure that um, to see what what their cheese, what their milk does when it clabbers, to see what they get in terms of a, a, an acidifying culture from their milk. And that's really the well that. 
that's the real, real key. And bar- pardon me, I'm not. I'm a little slow on the pickup, but you really want people to uh, start to create their creating their own native cultures. Is right. That, you know, that's that's one of the keys to the the whole project is is uh, spreading that um, ability, spreading that and desire to go that route as a cheesemaker. Well, as a cheesemonger, I I find that. I, you know, I mean, I'm excited for that because what I find and, and is that I get a lot of cheese um, that you can engineer or that has been engineered. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you make cheese with a culture that you purchase and it, you know, it highlights and isolates certain portions of the milk. And you get a product that people think is good, but they don't know why it's good and they don't know why their cheddar doesn't taste like other cheddars. You know what I mean? And, um, and it gets... A little, a little convoluted. Would you agree? Yes, <laughs> he would. He's he's nodding. Well, I mean, vigorously, and, and that's a, and that's a big uh, that's a big step, you know. Um, well, you know, Pete was talking about the the way that you. Would well, have for made... farmstead producers, it is. I mean, well, for mm-hmm. people who who are entirely certain of the source of milk, it mm-hmm. would seem to be that that would be a good way to, you know, let the milk express itself. It's the next step. Yeah, I mean, once you for for those cheesemakers who have made, I mean, they have done the work either uh, with their own herd, yeah, to to get that excellent milk, yeah, um, or have worked with a, a really good dairy farmer who's able to produce cheese quality milk. Yeah. Th- so they have this, the most important thing, the the only thing that is gonna that you can actually guarantee uh, that is guaranteed in making great cheese. Yeah. Um, yeah. So once they have that to actually. Go, you know, take that leap and see what their milk can do. Have, see you, what, have you noticed flavor differences in your cheese? Well, we made the first season that we produced, we had a short season, um, just Perishal Creamery's whole lineup, where we actually did use direct vat set cultures. And then, so that was for three months. And then after that, ever since, we've been making cheese with our our own native cultures. Great. Um and certainly the switch from the direct fat set to the native cultures was noticeable. Um, I think that our mongers noticed it. Yeah. Um, we certainly noticed it. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I, this is exciting because what it does is it really gets to the core. Yeah. The core, the, the, the beginning of a cheese is the milk. And if we can culture that and start with that. And, and certainly there has been a difference between um, Cornerstone made at Parish Hill and Cornerstone made at Birch Run. It's really interesting, the little nuances um, between the milk. And we certainly have more to explore as we continue this process. But it's really intriguing to see even texturally the hand of the cheesemaker is very different you know sure. even though we've we've made this cheese together a, a couple of times um there are nuances differences in the actual coming from the vat and from the milk where that's, it's made that's brilliant it's, um, yeah no no don't want to jump in please go on sir right. leap leap well, I keep bringing up the word elemental yeah. because it is stripped down to the kind of cheesemaking I've experienced when I've worked in other countries, like, say, in uh, Macedonia, where they didn't have refrigeration, per se. So the milk had to be very good to make very good cheese. And it would come in, or in Armenia, the same thing. It would come in, the cheesemaker would either have picked it up or someone 
who worked for them would have gone and picked up this milk. So they had these relationships with the farmers that were very small-scale, or they had their own small farm that they sourced milk from. And the milk was ready to go. It, they didn't even need to make a culture wow. because it had all the microbes in it that you would need. It was already fermenting yeah. by the morning, sure. and all they had to do was warm it up to, it uh, and add the rennet. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's the most elemental approach, but it's, it can be more haphazard than when you make a, a milk culture. Um, and so by bringing that in, you're moving a little bit forward in time and technology, but it's still... Um, an essentially uh, bare-bones way to make cheese. And the thing about what we've experienced at Parachill Creamery is since we make all of our cheese from that kind of culture that comes from originally four different cows, uh, it's really the recipe that shapes the the flavor, profile, and texture of the cheese because it's things like temperature and time and size of curd and all that reduces moisture content down to make a a hard cheese versus a soft cheese then the final layer that you add is going to be two layers there's going to be the salt because all salt is not the same no no so if you're going to source a local salt and say well this is what i have to go with that's going to shape the essential flavor of your cheese and finally you move it into the aging process and it's totally about the environment you know what what am i aging that cheese on what kind of rocks are in that cave or is it concrete or is it fiberglass sure whatever that's going to shape the ultimate what i would just throw out there if you really want to create the taste of a place this is the way you do it sure you know, you, it's got to be stripped down to the essential elements. And then you get the true link to the land that that milk was produced on and that the cheese was made and then aged as a part of. Yeah, it becomes a real snapshot. Yeah. Like a real, real snapshot. Really interesting. Yeah, and then you get to taste cool. it and see how that evolves from season to season. Sure. Or from Pennsylvania eastern pennsylvania to southeastern vermont that's brilliant to central connecticut you know we want to see all this and that's what's exciting about it as as time goes on we'll get to experience it mongers will get to experience it with us yeah i like that some folks have called this america's first doc type situation since you're all using the same recipe with your own native cultures what are your thoughts on that well you know, I think that that's really interesting. We don't want to really limit cheesemakers across the country because this is a project that we think can really grow all yeah. across the nation. And it can become its own sense of place, say, you know, in the heartland, too. Mm-hmm. Um, although I don't know where their salt's coming. Maybe there's the underground They have salt, salt mines. The salt yeah. mines, yeah. right, sure, out, in, out yeah. in Utah. So, I mean, we are pretty excited about that, having this identity um, that that is coming from the very base of everything, you know, of what we do. And it's exciting to um, kind of take a fresh approach to a very old form of cheesemaking. I like it because, uh, like I said, it gives a a structure, like a, you know, like a a certain cohesion to the the process. And it it limits um, if you're going to make this cheese with you guys, you know, or you're going to make it, you can't. Like I said, you can't engineer in other flavors by using other 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 cultures, you know. So, and and I've always 
I always kind of uh, yearned for that. Um, you know, as a, a person like I've sold cheese for a, for a long period of time, um, where I used to get a lot of European cheese that absolutely were made this way. You know, um, and uh, now I get a little bit less of that type that type of cheese, and I get cheeses that are called that or they look like that, but they're not quite that. And uh, when I dig down, it's it's really that. It's like the, it's what are they what are they acidifying the milk with, and then um, and what salt you know what what are the raw materials? What are the elements that um, that they're using? That's cool. Are there, you guys? There are actually a couple of other. Um, delimiting factors uh-huh. as for part if you want to be a part of the project yeah. um, eventually we are we are hoping we, we want to hold off for a little bit because we want to make sure that the four initial participants can uh, have an opportunity to really develop oh yeah this project yeah, but yeah. eventually it would be great to see cheesemakers from other parts of the country like sue alluded to taking part in the project and um, just see what 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 does this cheese taste like when it's when it's made in various parts of the country. Yeah. Um, but there are a couple of other delimiting factors, and one of them is single herd. Right. So it does not have to be farmstead. We are not farmstead. Sue is. But, but you've uh, got to know where the milk's coming but you from. Have to, yeah, so, so one, one herd, and then um, another one, I hope I didn't forget any, but the other one is uh, no one can make more than 5,000 pounds annually. Mm. That's With, something we're discussing. What's that all about? So that no one company could come in and glut the market. Yeah, makes to, a lot of sense. To make sure that that these are that it is a project and that that it's a project that many cheesemakers, that many cheeses can come from, and it doesn't just become one one market wide product. Certainly, because there's a lot of milk out there yeah. that people can gather and yeah. sort of. Um, I've been hammering this home on um, the last couple of of um, a podcast maybe you can give me your opinion on this and then we'll take a break but what I what I always like about about cheese like and, and I tell people this and I tell people this at the counter like you can engineer in the flavor you really can you know you can make a cheddar taste like Gruyere if that's what you really want to do and people will like that but the texture of the cheese is to me the real the real sort of that's the the one you can't really fake you know what I mean like or to me that when I when I when I get way down in there, it's like, what's the texture of this cheese? You know, and I guess that happens mm-hmm. also in the way the curds are cut and the amount of salt that you use and uh, and how long it's it how long it's aged out. You know, you might be onto something there because when you think about it, flavor comes from the initial milk, and right. a large part of that is what they're feeding. Okay, but it's a microbial world in that right. milk, or I shouldn't even say but. It just is a microbial world in that milk characterized by environment and feed and these things that go into producing the milk. And so when you're, you're thinking about how you can engineer, well, and ultimately those microbes are in the milk and the enzymes uh, will break down the fats and proteins to eventually make the flavor of the cheese, right? right? So in a sense, because... There's all these known cultures out there with known strains of bacteria. You this can is what you can engineer the flavor, but the craft of the cheesemaker is what determines the texture. That's what I'm you saying. Yeah, you can't actually. You're, that's well, very well put. You can't fake the texture. You just can't do it. You know, and uh, and what so, he said. No faking. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. That's, 
That's awesome. It's great to talk to you guys. I'm, I'm, I'm happy you're here. We're going to take a short break. Then we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about cheese cultures a little more and um, some hot topics. Hot. <laughs> Have you tasted the world's best cheese? Grand Cru Sirchois is the 2016 world champion. Our partners at Roth, Wisconsin make this gorgeous Alpine-style cheese in the rolling hills of Greene County, Wisconsin. Grand Cru Sirchois is produced by hand in Swiss copper vats and finished by aging on spruce planks. The quality milk and careful craftsmanship bring out the award-winning light floral notes, nutty undertones, a hint of fruitiness, and a mellow finish. Perfect with Riesling and Muscat, Grand Cru Sirchois is a guaranteed hit for any occasion. Check out their other offerings at RothCheese.com. You'll discover Buttermilk Blue and their newest release, Prairie Sunset, the golden-hued love child of Mimolette and Gouda. You'll also find recipes like the Raclette Reuben and Tomato Tartlets. Everything you need to know about the world's best cheese is at RothCheese.com. Welcome back to Cutting the Curd. This is Greg Blaze, and before the break, we were talking about the Cornerstone Project. And now that we're back, I wanted to talk a little bit about rennet and culture specifically. Um, I heard you were making your own rennet at Parish Hill. Um, what are the regular? Is that's true, right? This is yes. true. It's not. It's not we a took rumor. Took a stab at it this <laughs> summer. <laughs> what are the regulations around that like? What's that all about? Yeah. Nah. Well. In order, in order to do it, uh, to, to make cheese for commercial sale, your, your stomachs, the yeah. abomasums of whatever animal you choose, uh, you know, the, typically it'd be a, a calf, a kid from a goat, or a yeah. lamb. Yeah. Hardy yeah. hard. <laughs> I knew you It was almost the one. last time you were here yeah. where you, you talked to me about the salty knob up yeah. there. Chill out. Let's not. That let's was a steer, Hall of Fame quote from let's you. Let's steer to the right hand side yeah. of this discussion. You got it. Which means back on track. Yeah. <laughs> Um, From him. No nice. Less. I know Funny. what could happen, Greg, if you and I get going. So it's going to be a problem. I know. <laughs> but the ladies are here. So, uh, yes. Well, your your we'll call it a vel. Uh -huh. the, the cured stomach, paper thin kind of material, ready to be chopped up and soaked, and then made into a liquid preparation to add to the milk to coagulate it. So that vel has to come from a USDA inspected facility. Okay. It can be cured by you at your facility, but just like any food safety uh, plan for any ingredient and in, yeah. you know in your process, you're going to have to document how you prepare Certainly. it. Certainly. Yeah. And so, you know, it's a process of brine curing mm -hmm. the stomach and then uh, drying it. And then they're incredibly stable once they get to that point. This really? is no joke. I mean, this is like the way cheese... This There's is a reason cheese, why it's been why, being done like this for just, thousands of years. You hang them up in your, yeah. in your house and you just pull it down and cut some off and chop yeah. it up and soak it in whey. And then the next morning, you've got this preparation that's fermented 
the microbes from the vel, from the stomach, yeah. are now in a media, the whey that has some sugar. They're, they ferment it, make an acid kind of uh, liquid that's got the enzymes from the rennet to coagulate the milk. So you've yeah. got a two-in-one thing. That's you've got cool. a microbial culture started and, 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 uh, and the rennet enzyme all together, and you put that into the milk. And that's ultimately uh, how I would like to make some of the batches of this cheese to see how it goes. I know from hearing Thomas the Monger, what's his last name? Perry. Thomas Perry. Tom Perry, Perry. who yeah. did the research yeah. on cultures as part of the Daphne Zephos Award, yeah. give his, uh, his presentation at ACS in Des Moines. And he was documenting how and for the Gruyere, the Emmentaler, the Appenzeller, some of the makers use this kind of preparation. So, you know, I'd like to give that a, a try yeah. on the cornerstone. Or maybe we'll do both, the milk culture and the rennet preparation. Maybe that'll be another cheese for the cornerstone. Right. Price. Well, that's the thing, because you can branch out into other into other cheeses. Other yeah, pr- yeah other processes right. and other recipes yeah. that still fall within that overarching right. But, and you know, going back project. to going back to that quote Greg's question about the DOP, mm-hmm. I mean that's really how you get at that. It what, is. You would stick with one variant of right. it and that everyone would have to do it like that and then there's a distinctive cheese being made being made. Yeah. I'm, I'm smiling because yeah. a couple of weeks ago, I, we were all together, the three of us, and it was a late night, and Peter and I were just like, we're designing the very next cheese. And we were, you know, we had it down. And both of us had been thinking about this cheese and hadn't talked about it and wanted to do the same style. And Rachel was like, hold on to the reins. Uh, let's, let's work this one out. <laughs> so, you know, it's the cheesemaker's dilemma. We're always working on the next the, one, the next. same one, the next one. We can't stop thinking. And it, isn't it just a joy to listen to this man talk Absolutely. about Vels and Abamasums and making your own rennet? Well, I love it. It's great. It's great. I mean, I come from a, 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 you know, when I learned about cheese, you know, I didn't learn about cheese as a cheesemaker, but there was very specific and clear information to me a long time ago, you know, and, and I and I had discussions like that. Salt, rennet, culture, you know what I mean? And and the milk. And, it, and it's gotten very complicated since then, you know what I mean? Like, it, it really has. There's a lot. But I just hold on to those same uh, those same things, you know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And. Everybody, are, are you are you making your own cultures at that Birch yeah, Run? Yeah, we are making our own cultures. And, you know, it's interesting because Rachel and Peter, they've been doing it so long, it's just second nature to them. It's just like a kid on a farm raised yeah. running tractors. They just know everything you know how about to do it, it and can do it. For me, I'm not as fluid as they are and as smooth. And it's like I find myself, you know, selecting the cows and selecting the milk, going through the process, and then, you know, incubating the milk. And I don't have an incubator. Uh-huh. And so it's been kind of a fun little project for me because, you know, I'm using a cooler, very scientific, oh, hot water bath. And I'll come down in the morning and I'll realize it's it's 120 degrees in there. And now <sighs> I've selected absolutely the wrong cultures, the thermophiles, oh, wow. when we wanted mesophiles. And so then I start the process all over again. And so... Um, you know, the education and the timing and having the tools to do it properly is really important. Um, you know, you guys have figured it all out because you have a system in place. So now, <laughs> yes, they have a system in place. And so now what I've done is we step it up. We have a bread proofer so that I can incubate the cultures at, you know, the temperature we've decided and really um 
finesse the process in a more fluid manner rather than willy-nilly sure. with a hot water bath in my cooler. Yeah, but that's, <laughs> I mean, that, to me, cheese makers, cheese mongers, and cheese is always about taking stuff that doesn't quite fit and turning it into things that fit really well. You know what I mean? Right. So every cheesemonger or like people who had the old school shops was like, yeah, you know, we, we, we have all these buckets of water turned upside down and I took part of my fish aquarium and I pumped the water up and, it's, and it, it breaks up like that. And that's how I humidified my yeah, that's how I humidify my shit here. And that's why mine's the best. You know what I mean? <laughs> or like maybe, you know, like you have this old Coleman cooler and that's the best. That's what that's the best incubator you have. You know what I mean? And so, so I don't know if it's willy-nilly. It's just a consistent process of experimentation, what works, right? You know? Yeah, that's right. Because, you know, we're not, I'm just not spending eight hours a day incubating cultures. We're milking cows. we making farm cheese. Yeah, we have other things to do. So to get this system in place is really important. And if it is incubating in a cooler for somebody, that's great. Yeah. You know, or incubate it during the day when you can check it. Mm-hmm. Periodically through or, the day instead well, of overnight. Well, that's the systems. You got to right. set up the systems. The systems really important. Yeah, I'm, I mean, that's what my whole life revolves on. Revolves around systems, you know. Mm-hmm. And most of them are little tiny things that exist only in my, my my mind. So, like in work, you know, they're always like, "Well, we want to." We want to know how you do it. And I'm like, ah, I can't really explain how I do it. I just sort it's of do it. Here. And then someone follows me. And then we do it that way. And then the next thing you know, four people know how to do it. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. But that doesn't work. The mentalities of a, well, like you say, you're, you're going to limit the amount of milk that can be used, you know, which eliminates an entire spectrum of cheese making, which is a good thing, not to exclude, but it's just, it's a good thing because it's just like, none of that's going to happen, you know? And your processes, your organic, very organic processes that are time-tested, you know, for literally thousands of years get to take over. And I think that that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's pretty, that's pretty cool stuff, you know? I mean, I'm, I'm really, I'm really down to get some of this cheese whenever See, I can get it. Well, you got some right there on the plate. Go yes. ahead and try some. Tell, tell us what you think. I'm, I, I, you know, I don't eat a lot of cheese on the air because I don't feel <laughs> like this. people just want to hear my sloppy noises. <laughs> that was that a, stuff is that, great. That you was know? a joke. That was a joke. I don't know. I think you really wanted me to eat it. <laughs> I'm trying to we'll figure out how I can later. steal the entire block that's sitting up there. The, uh, the, but seriously, when can we, when can we buy the cheese? Or is it already being sold? Yes, sir. we we made we made some batches uh, Hill. Uh, this summer. So this is the seventh batch we made. Uh, we have some larger ones and smaller ones. So yeah. the number batches. doesn't necessarily re- represent how many wheel or how many pieces were made in each batch. But this is That's the crazy. seventh one, and we brought. And as you can see, it's got a, a fairly open texture. Yeah, a little bit of eyes. It's in kind of creamy. Uh, it's not a, what I'd call a hard cheese. It's semi-hard. No, it looks like Dobiaco a little bit. Okay, there you go. Which right. I like. Write that down. Trentino I've, cheese. I've heard Rascera mentioned. Yeah, Rascera, Northern Rascera, Italian. Rascera, there you yeah, go. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So we're going to ask you, um, what's, what else is on the horizon? You've got this crazy thing going on, but what else is on the horizon for your creameries this year? Staying in uh, well, I think I wanted to jump in a little bit about this collaborative nature. Yeah. I just have to get back to that. Please. To me, that's just such an important part of this community to see people working together. Absolutely. You know, we've gotten away from that. I believe we get, have. In, you know, I think we've talked about that before. Um, but I think that's so important that we're sharing ideas. We're sharing ideas. We're sharing methods. We're sharing processes so that we can all get better. Yeah. And, you know, and get back and work in something else in our creamery, which is pretty cool. <laughs> but 
Yeah. So back to your question. No. <laughs> What's next? Uh, but that's but well, that's what this thing is. I, like it, it gives you the cheese gives you a forum to work together, right? I mean, definitely, absolutely. Well, and one of the things that happened early on, the, the first several batches that we made, we tried a couple. We changed the process a little bit. We ch- uh-huh. we changed the way that we um, hooped. And what I mean, we knew that it would have different results, and it definitely had different results. And then it became a matter of deciding what kind of texture we what was the texture we wanted. That's amazing. The texture—that's my thing. Uh And I have been—I've been really getting in there, like, like on it. For me, that's what I've used my whole time selling selling cheese. You know, because Mm -hmm. I think way, way, way back, I bought a Morbier that was great. And then I got another one that wasn't. And this is when I was like 18 or 19 years old. And I was like, something's, not, something's wrong with this, you know? But I didn't know shit about cheese anyway. But I knew that the, that the second one wasn't as good as the first one, even though it tasted the same. Mm-hmm. And that was because the way I ate it and the way it felt in my mouth, the second one was not good. It felt like trying to eat a slippery tire, uh-huh. you know? And um, and nobody wants to try to eat a slippery no. tire. Well, for new things, I think uh, the three of us uh, have we have spent a lot of time together over the years, and we are very comfortable with our two companies um, working together. And you might see some collaborative marketing oh, going that's awesome. on. Uh, you know, because it. Pennsylvania is not that far away from no. where from where we are in Vermont. And I have We're roots sewers. there. Oh, that's great! And so. uh, you know, it's nice to go to Bertrand Hills. It's a really nice farm, and uh, and Sue's new husband happening. and boys are fun to hang out with. Yeah, so, you know, and they like to come up to Vermont too. So. I think we're going to see more of that. Great farmers making great milk. Yeah. A little farming exchange program, yeah, perhaps. Now we, yeah. we yeah. farming, cheese making, all of it. We were talking <laughs> about. Uh, they're already Sue and her family. They're already raising veal uh, from their own cows. We were talking about maybe because we have a, we now own the property that we've been renting previously where we make our cheese, uh-huh. and there's a pasture there, and we were talking about maybe raising calves from the Putney Schools dairy farm where we buy our milk for veal and then using those stomachs, you know, to make our own rennet. So this is the kind of thing we're looking toward forward to doing. I don't know if we're going to pull it off this year, but, you know, it's certainly (laughs) (laughs) the voice of reason. You've got like 46 days to get that done in this year. (laughs) But I can't think of anything else as major as, as, as really those but Sue must have something. Yeah, what do you got? What do you got? Talk to me. Building a creamery. Oh, right. Fingers well, are getting yeah. pointed. That's right. They Building are, a they creamery are. is they a are. fairly big thing. Yeah, so we are building a creamery on the farm, and uh, oh, we thought great. we would have it up and going by now. So we're definitely behind. We work in a little rented, quirky facility yeah. about four miles down the road and um, have really <laughs> thought it would be built last year. But, you know... Design, construction, reg- construction, yeah. re- regulatory agencies sort of oh, take their man. time, and yes. and you know what? Maybe that's not such a bad thing because there's always more information presents itself. Yeah, absolutely. So hopefully, you know, the next time I see you, Greg, we'll be in there, or you know, I would love up that. and running. You'll have to come down and visit. But you know, Peter sat at the table with us, and Rachel to design this facility. The plans and look really good. They do. Amazing. Amazing. I'm jealous. That's great. <laughs> we'll see. I, can't, I want I'm one. Those. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, in the, I, I'm running out of uh, out of out of uh, 
I need I need to be able to get some cheese from you. So I mean, yeah. I'm really uh, you know I, I, and I have like got you in here in this. I can have him lock the door out of there. And, <laughs> but then know, she make can't you, make cheese. Yeah, that, that is what I like <laughs> about you, Greg. Yeah. You yeah. always want cheese. I do. I <laughs> really so do. It makes me excited. <laughs> it's, it's nice <laughs> having cheese. Makes me you know, you know. Happy. It's yeah. good. Good to have it around. It makes us happy too. Makes us happy too. So we'll have more to share. Awesome. Yay. Well, I want to say thank you to all of you guys for coming and for this lively discussion and always informative. Um, you guys are the best. So, you know, take a look out for Cornerstone. Get it. Sell it. Buy it. Understand what it is and how come it's important. Thanks a lot for listening to Cutting the Curd. We'll be back next week with more cheesy stuff. Take care. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.